Welcome back to another edition of The Next Chapter, a senior transition care podcast. I'm your host, Dan Topkin, president of Home Health Options Group and Caregivers for Less, serving Northern Virginia's home care needs for over 20 years. This is episode number 32, Should You Move or Improve? My special guest today is Debbie Miller, Associate Broker with McInerney Associates Realtors, a Certified Senior Advisor, and a Certified Aging in Place Specialist. She is also a best-selling author. She has been providing housing solutions for Northern Virginia retirees since 1995. Debbie, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Thank you for inviting me, Dan. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So uh, the first question, for those of who don't, who don't know... What is a Certified Senior Advisor? Certified Senior Advisors, or CSAs, are professionals who, during their practice, apply their knowledge of the aging process and aging issues to identify the most appropriate options and solutions for seniors, individual needs, and best interests to improve their lives so I can go into the home, talk to them about what they might need, And that's why I also have the Certified Aging in Place Specialist designation from the National Association of Home Builders, which is very hard to get. It's a grueling, rigorous classroom situation with lots of testing. But the the CAPS Certified Aging in Place Specialist visits the home and recommends updates that will help a person live independently in their own home. And uh, I can assess the current living situation and develop a home modification or construction plan based on the safety and functional needs of an individual or household. And as I said, National Association of Home Builders is a recognized uh, source in the industry of home building and home construction as far as aging in place as well. Now, you didn't start out as... uh certified aging in place specialist or a certified senior advisor. I'm sure the realtor was was a number one. That was the first thing. I had worked in the real estate and construction and architect field for many years, and I started in the late 70s to buy houses that needed fixing up and flip them, and I got addicted. It's, 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 a, it's a plight that I have. I can't help myself. <laughs> but uh, so... I had um, work. I was working at National Association of Home Builders, in a, as a matter of fact, and they didn't have the CAPS designation yet. But I was traveling so much, and then my mother became ill and needed my care. And I said, "Okay, what can I do?" So I said, "Real estate, because I can make as much as I need to, have more flexibility with the schedule." And so I got my real estate license back in 1990s. <laughs> A long time ago. We're not counting. Uh, no. Uh, but, um, and then I got my broker license, but uh, it, it really helped me. And I took care of her and my in-laws and two sets of aunts and uncles with no children. And I said, wait a minute, other baby boomers are going to have these same issues that I'm facing. But back then, I didn't have the resources. Mm-hmm. The, and I had to really build my own resources. Well, I need this person. I need this person. And I knew also that if I could come up with a complete solution for that family, 
that they would ask me to help them because they didn't have to worry about who is coming into my house. I had already screened and vetted the contractors. I trusted them, and they knew what I expected. So it, it gradually grew into that. And then, I, of course, and everybody, my broker at the time said, well, Debbie, there's not enough baby boomers out there for you to create a business. And I said, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. But uh, he was wrong, and now he's retired and in Florida and thinking, oh, okay, maybe she had something. But at any rate, um, it just grew from there. And I became known and worked with banks and financial advisors and individuals and retirement communities. And, you know, they, oh, well, call Debbie. She'll take care of everything. Don't have to worry about it. Here's the keys. I'll take care of it. Well, and that's very true. You know, we've been doing uh, senior care for, for many years. And it's amazing how much you branch out from just one path, you know. And a lot of the paths always start because of personal encounters that you have had with your own family absolutely over the years absolutely i absolutely agree and that's how a lot of these people came to be it's just that my parents were older and at the time and so now more baby boomers are saying oh my gosh i can't do this i've got the kids at home i've got the d i've got to work i've got to do this that the other so i i sometimes refer to it as rent a daughter because I, I know how to do things. I know how to get this done, whereas you have never had to do it. And I also, the goal is to relieve the stress as much as possible. Well, it's amazing that, you know, when when parents age up, there is not a manual or a brochure <laughs> that, that simply explains everything. Well, and every parent is different. Every situation Amen. has its own unique challenges. Amen. A lot of times you get parents who, I'm not going to hear you. I'm not going to listen to what you say. I don't want to talk to you about moving. And other people are saying, hey, guess what I did? I bought into an active adult community. Come on over and see me. And they, the children say, oh, wow, that's great, Mom. <laughs> you know, what's going on? So, you know, it's, everybody's different. Over 75% of people over the age of 45 want to stay in their current home to age in place. But much of the housing stock in America wasn't built with aging in mind. It was built for young families. As of October 2021, approximately 10.5 million homes in the U.S. were between 20 and 31 years old. Well, Americans are living longer now, and mobility and eyesight decline with age, and safety issues become a big factor in staying at home, like you have narrow hallways, the flooring is not appropriate, there's unsafe bathrooms, there's too many steps, there's poor lighting, kitchens are a challenge. Uh, it's, it's a lot of different things. And some homes can be retrofitted to accommodate the changes that improve the safety of the property, but others can't because of the way the builders constructed them. And that's just the way it is. But a well-designed home allows the resident to move around safely, use the bathroom and the bedroom safely, and other daily activities. So many colonials and split levels with all the steps, as you said, it's like a barrier. Mm -hmm. And people put in the chair stair lifts, and they do this and they do that, but they don't have complete freedom. No, they don't. And there's not a bathroom, even a half bath, on every level of the home. Absolutely. They all put them upstairs. Yep. It was the c colonial style with the bedrooms up and the primary owner's be bedroom had the bath and then the kids used the one in the hall and that was it. And you had a half bath on the main level and maybe rough in in the basement, which you could finish off sometime. But no, it's very different from what we were building 40 years ago. Where does the emotional portion come into play on, on those decisions? Number one, 
at the top. It's, you know, you have, you have to take into consideration their current health, uh, their budget, and their willingness to make the decision either way. Because when you've lived in your home, I mean, I've had clients I've moved, they've been in their house for 65 years. I had a woman, bless her heart, she was so sweet. She lived on one side of the street growing up. And when she got married, she bought the house on the other side of the street. So she had never even been off her block. And, but there's so much attachment and memories and emotions that go into it. And the children may or may not be interested in helping. And it's hard to go through all your things that you've collected over 30, 40, 50 years and sort through them and go from a 4,000 square foot house down to a thousand square foot, 1500 square foot property. What do you do with those things? And the emotions I think are at number one, because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get the children coming in. Well, mom always liked you best. And you know, that kind of argument Sometimes you get lucky, but uh, those are few and far between for me. I have more stories about ones that didn't get along. But anyway, uh, the emotions are big. Well, and you have a lot more to think about if you're going to move. You have to figure out, okay, not only what do I take, what do I need to, how do I get rid of what I'm not going to take, where do I even pick a choice of a place? And do I want to be close to my grandkids? Do I want to be warmer weather? Do I want lower taxes? There's so much to take, and it's easier to just say no. But uh, they just don't want to go because it is a lot to think about. You have to sort through all your treasures. I mean, I have State Department clients who've traveled everywhere, and they have beautiful collections of things, and books are a big problem. I've had as many as 3,000 books Mm. with one client which we were able to resolve, but they don't want to give them up because that's their, that's what they hold on to. Well, of course, <clears throat> of course. And, uh, but it can be done. I've done hundreds of successful moves and I've done many people, you know, maybe people re- retrofitting to stay in place, but they don't get to stay for very long because falling is a major concern. Mm-hmm. If you, even if you think, you know, you will trip over a rug. It's a lot to think about, and they can't accept the fact that their house that they bought 50 years ago doesn't suit them. Now, if it's a Rambler all on one level, we can retrofit sometimes, but the bathrooms are small in older homes, and you just don't have the space, and to retrofit a kitchen can be expensive. So you you had mentioned setting up a plan, uh, a lifestyle transitions plan. Yes, uh uh-huh. So that is all inclusive in what you were, you it, were just talking about. If they about. want to move, then we talk. I, I develop the whole plan as to, okay, let's go. To, uh, for example, a lot of people say, well, I'm, somebody will say, well, I'm going to Pennsylvania because I, I'm close to friends up there, or I'm going to Florida, or I'm going to Texas, or wherever. Okay, that gives me that. When do you have to be there? Is your place already done, or do you have to wait for it? So we have to time it, but it takes a long time to go through all their stuff. Mm-hmm especially if they are, a nice way to say it is accumulators. Uh, I deal with a lot of hoarders and accumulators, and depending on how bad it is, it can take a long time. And when I say a long time, it can take a year. But the children also have to get in on it, and a lot of times, oh, I don't want that bicycle I had in the eighth grade. Well, it's down here in the basement. Come and get it. And I tell them, I say, give them a date. If they don't come and get it, you can toss it or sell it or whatever. But it, that's the hard part. Then once we figure out where you're going, how we're going to get there, what do you need to take? And I have a floor plan of the new place. Mm-hmm. And so we sit down and we say, okay, 
What furniture do you have to take? Like, name your top five pieces that you have to take with you, like your grandmother's rocking chair or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and they want to take way too much. And they want to take the dining room service for eight people. And I had a woman once who had 12 services of dishes for every, like October, Christmas, Easter. She had, and service for, because she thought she was going to do it. She, I said, you're going to go to a retirement community where they're going to cook for you your whole life. You've always been the one to have Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving, and now you're not. So what do you replace that with? I had one woman who insisted on taking all of her fancy dishes, and when she got to her new place, she says, oh, well, I don't have to cook, so I'm going to use my dishwasher to put my art supplies in. And she did. That's what she had. So, you know, there's a, there's a will, there's a way. But she substituted cooking for everybody. And, you know, she could still make cookies with the grandkids, but she didn't have to do dinner for 25 people every year because somebody else was doing it. This, this question actually came from one of my nurses, talking about solo agers. Yes. How did they prepare for living alone versus uh, a partnered couple? Yep. Living together. It's, it's actually a growing phenomenon. Um, the, they are making their decisions about their future independently. So they often rely more heavily on uh, advice from their CPA or their financial advisor or state attorney, doctors and friends and that sort of thing. But they don't have anybody that they can call on or they need to have someone that they can call on in an emergency. What if they fall and they're there by themselves? How am I going to notify somebody to come and tell them? You need to have it's even more important for them to have a will, a medical directive, all the extra things that we that a partnered couple, mm-hmm. partnered adult, would say, oh, yeah, sure, we'll work it out. And the two of you go in and talk to the estate attorney, and you work it out, and you figure it out, and the children are there and all that stuff. But a, an unpartnered adult or a solo ager doesn't have that. And so they really need to be careful about naming their proxy to take care of it because they're actually going to substitute for you. So you need to also make sure you write down all your, put your life on paper. Where all, where are all your bank accounts and your, your will and all the things that somebody would need to walk into your place and say, okay, I need to get this done for her. How do I figure this out? Because as more baby boomers get become widowed or divorced or age, they're not going to be always a partnered adult. So it's something everybody really needs to think about. And you may have a significant other right now, but later on that significant other passes or decides not to have you as their significant other. What do you do now? You, this person you relied on is no longer available. So it's a lot of thinking involved. But I, I personally think that everyone should think of themselves as a solo ager and do the same things. It's just, if you have somebody to share the information with that you can trust, it's, it's great. But currently about 27% of adults over the age of 60 live alone in the U S and, but that's going to get bigger. I mean, Mm -hmm. we got a lot of baby boomers moving into their (laughs) old age and I can hardly wait for uh, the 80 when baby boomers turn, get into their eighties and they want to stay at home and they, 
collect more stuff than they need? Boy, is there going to be a big housing market for fixer-uppers when they get to that point? Because they're going to say, oh, I'm 85 and I can't take care of the lawn anymore. I mean, I had an aunt who chopped her own firewood until she was 89, and we had to finally take the axe away from her. I mean, it was just that they're determined. But it's going to get to be a larger group than just that 27%. Um, but I think solo agers, as, as well as partnered couples, um, should delight in their freedom and nurture friendships. You need to have a strong circle of close friends who will be there. At least you can text them and say, hey, I'm, I'm going on a trip, or I'm going this, or I'm doing that, so that they know everybody kind of looks out for each other. And that's why so many people are going like with the Golden Girls idea about having one house with several single people. You can have a college student come in and help mow the lawn and take care of things for you. But you have that camaraderie among singles because there's a lot of us out there and it's going to get larger. And the early planning, though, I think is really important. Um, You need to have a, a will or a trust and you have an, a need to have an executor to handle your affairs after death, a person with power of attorney to act on your behalf while you're living, and make sure there's a medical directive in place and know, tell them what your end-of-life wishes are. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do we do now? You never, she never talked about that. Well, where does he want to be buried? Does he want to be buried? No. Well, what do we do? And if you put it all on paper, it really helps. For someone, it's a roadmap of your life. And here's what I need. And it may be a year. It may be 10 years. You can always revise it. But the thing is, solo agers and partnered adults both need that. It's just solo agers have to pay more attention to it earlier on. In previous episodes, we had talked with aging life care managers. I love them. The main thing is plan ahead because you never know. And that's that's why we have the podcast we do. Mm-hmm. And we call it the next chapter because Absolutely. we never know when that next page to the next chapter is going to be flipped. And we don't have a whole lot of time to write a good You don't have it. When you're on the way to a hospital in an ambulance and you're in a coma, you can't say, oh, gee, I forgot to write down the yada yada. No, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. But I'm firmly in favor of uh, getting connected with an aging life care manager for you. And they are wonderful people. I They have uh, aginglifecare.org, not .com. Mm-hmm. And even on the life insurance policies, are the beneficiaries up to date, is, is the will. I had a woman who had a will that she made back 50 years ago, and she never updated it. Well, she was going to leave all her proceeds to her high school, but her high school had closed. And so I said, well, it's probably time to... Update. Update, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, adult children should know these things because they come in, they don't know their parents' Social Security number, they don't know the bank accounts, they hardly know, they don't even know how to get a death certificate. And you can't do anything without getting a death certificate. But I do absolutely believe that um, an aging life care professional is the answer to a number of issues because that's the person that you could call on mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I need a proxy. I need this. Who can I call? Because you can trust these people They're They will assist with your at home care. Uh, especially if you're living outside the area, like the adult children, they can't get in to see mom or dad and they want to make sure they're all right. Well, the aging life care manager can make sure that those things happen. And, or when they fail cognitively, you can't exactly 
ask your parents, oh, I forgot to ask you, what's your social security number and where's, who's your checking account with? No, it's too late. Right. Do it now. And a lot of parents don't want to give up the personal information to their children because they don't trust them or they feel like they're giving over their independence. But that's not the case. It's You have to do it. Going back a little bit to improving the home. We, we've come up with families that are improving as the need arises, mm-hmm. okay? And not really doing the improvements going forth for mm-hmm. future mm-hmm. Uh, needs. Yeah, because they don't know what that might be. They don't. Do you recommend that? Or do you recommend, let's have that serious conversation Well, now. let's have the conversation because I need to know, do they have some sort of affliction that is going to get worse over time, or do they just need extra help with like a lever handle on the doors or uh, making a wider hallway because they're going to need a walker or a, a roll, a roll in shower, walk in shower is easy thing to do and saves a lot of headache down the road. Every, I think everybody should have a walk in shower, but, um, the thing is that, you know, a handheld shower attachment, a seat for the shower area, little things can be done that don't, uh, infringe on your independence per se, Mm -hmm. but you need to be able to live happily in your house. Why should you be afraid to walk down the hall if you're going to trip and fall because you have scatter rugs that are going to hold you up? It it just makes sense. But it, I don't like to go in, oh, well, let's redo the whole house because, well, then you're, you know, you're 60,000, 70,000 out and what if I never have to have it? But there are certain obvious things like improve the lighting, that's a simple thing. Um, doing the lever handles, like I said, making it easier to just do daily things. The shower, the bathroom, and the bedroom make it easier to reach clothing in the closet. Those are simple things that, er- that everybody needs, but it's not threatening as far as taking away your independence. In fact, it's giving you more independence. We, we're starting to see more active adult communities, 55 plus uh, we're seeing quite a number in Prince William County and also Loudoun and some in Fairfax as well. What are your feelings on those? <laughs> well, at first, years ago, when I before I realized what they were, I was not particularly enamored of them because, well, the houses all look alike and you never know who you're getting coming in and going out and what if you, you know, if, what if your neighbors are nasty or whatever. But um, there are some issues that you need to watch out for. But on the whole, it's just a new place. If you sit at home a lot and just watch TV, an active adult community has a clubhouse or community center, whatever you want to call it, where you can go down and you can have a dance lesson. You can play bingo. You can play cards. You can swim in the pool. You can take an exercise class. There's so many different things to do. And if you never want to talk to anybody, that's fine. But there's other people out there who are also looking for a friendship and it lets you have a whole new lease on life. And expand that Golden Girls network. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can, I mean, a lot of these active adult communities, I have moved a lot of people into them over the years, and they're always gone. I have to call them like at 8 o'clock in the morning because they're out for mm-hmm. the day. They're always involved with some activity or other, and that's just the way they work. But um, some people will never like them. And other people will like them because they have to. There's not a whole lot of choices when you make the decision to move as to what you can buy or where you can rent. 
And that, I think, is something that baby boomers may strongly influence over time. You have to, are you going to have a single family home that's older or a condo that's older and spend thousands retrofitting it? Or are you going to buy into a new community and everything's new and it has a warranty and all that stuff? Uh, There's a whole different bunch of questions that you need to ask. And then I can guide you through there. But if you're going to stay in the area, great. If you're going to buy elsewhere, that's great too. But pick the right answer for your needs and try to think like, okay, today, here's what you need. But three years, five years, six years from now, do you see yourself being able to stay here? An active adult community is made with all the wide hallways, the bathrooms, everything is already in place. So you don't have to deal with that. Whereas in a construction in your home, we have to find a place to put you safely while construction's going on. That's not fun. And you have people in and out, contractors there 7.30 in the morning and working till 4.35 at night. You don't know what's going on. And you wonder when is it going to be finished? And of course they can always find issues because older homes always have issues. Always. And uh, so it, it's really... Don't hide your head in the sand. It's, it, it's, that's the worst case scenario. And yes, it's emotional, but you can get through it. You, it's a different phase of your life. When you got out of high school, you went to college, then you got married, you had children, the children grew up. And now you have a chance to be out on your own. So people don't think about that. They think, what do you mean I have to be on my own? There's a whole lot out there to go see. Travel while you can. You have even helped some move internationally. Oh, yes. Is that correct? Oh, okay. absolutely. Yes. Uh, I know. Well, there's a, um, a group, they have a website, International Living, and they provide all kinds of service. They have a guy who will come on and teach baby boomers how to speak Spanish so that if they want to go to retire in Costa Rica or Mexico or wherever it might be, where Spanish is the predominant language, they can do that. I have had I have friends all over the world because I've had them on my podcast, but I have a friend in Portugal who sits on her front porch and she overlooks her own vineyard. And I said, I'm definitely going to visit Portugal. Um, I have a friend in Dubai. I have people all over the world who are experiencing life while they can, because once you get older and become more infirm, that's that chapter of your life is done. How can people get in touch with you they can log on to my website, www.debmiller.com, D-E-B-M-I-L-L-E-R.com, or they can just email me at move or improve with Debbie at gmail.com. Either way, I'll get you, unless you're overseas. And I have a client right now who's in New Zealand, so I, I have to talk to her in the evening. <laughs> because There's quite a time 9 difference. o'clock there is 5 o'clock here. So, But anyway, we'll, we'll get at you. Well, you can text me too, but uh, the email is better because then I can get to it as soon as I can get to it. But have the conversation because it's something that people wait too long to have and then it's too late. Well, I know that everybody, even though it may not be the answer that they want, they do absolutely appreciate the candor and being upfront with them. And talk about it. But it, you have to do it because at some point the adult child is going to have to come in and take responsibility. And if you're a solo ager, get rid of the stuff. You don't need it. Thank you for being there and helping families make that difficult decision. Well, thank you for having me, Dan. I hope I am a help of some sort. 
<laughs> I know that you will be. <laughs> I know you will be. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.